from Public Health Institute. Welcome to the PHI CDC Global Health Podcast, a new podcast that highlights stories from the PHI CDC Global Health Fellowship Program, a U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention funded program implemented by the Public Health Institute. Our fellows are guided by CDC Global Health experts and work on the front lines of global health, developing the technical and professional skills needed to make meaningful contributions to today's global health challenges. I'm your host, Whitney Hall, the program's administration and communications specialist. Today, our guest is Samantha Gross, MPH. Samantha is a first-year Monitoring and Evaluation Fellow for the Clinical Program's Monitoring Evaluation Team in the M&E and Data Analysis Branch. Samantha is based in Atlanta, Georgia, with CDC Center for Global Health's Division of Global HIV and Tuberculosis. Since March, Samantha has held three assignments with CDC's Emergency Operations Center responding to the COVID-19 pandemic. Today, Samantha discusses her background working in M&E, global health, and emergency response. Samantha, thanks for joining me today. As an undergraduate student, I know you majored in psychology and studied abroad in Spain. What sparked your initial interest in global health and what influenced you to pursue your master's in public health? Yeah, thank you for having me. I actually didn't decide to pursue a master's in public health until after college. I graduated undergrad with um, a degree in psychology with the intention of going to grad school for industrial organizational psychology. So after undergrad, I got a job in that field and I was really unhappy. So I decided to just kind of sit down and and list out the things that I'm passionate about and, and what I'm interested in. And at the top of that list were was travel, people, and health. And so that's really what led me to pursuing a master's in public health and global health. Next up, I asked Samantha about her global health field experience during her MPH program. In 2018, as part of a global health field course with the University of Copenhagen, Samantha conducted preliminary research to identify gaps in the infectious disease surveillance system in Sri Lanka with a focus on dengue. As described by the WHO, dengue is found in tropical and subtropical countries and is a mosquito-borne viral infection causing a severe flu-like illness, which can sometimes be fatal. My experience in Sri Lanka doing field research was one of the most rewarding experiences I've had to date, both personally and professionally. Prior to this trip, I really had no work experience working in a developing country, and I'd learned about I'd learned about them through my studies, but I'd I'd never had firsthand experience. And the trip was incredibly eye-opening and really reinforced my passion for global health. Um, we were conducting research on the disease surveillance system in Sri Lanka for dengue alongside the Rajarata University Faculty of Medicine and Allied Sciences there. So we were working with medical students um, that were really taking us around the country to show us the systems that are in place. We got to meet a lot of different people that are part of the community and the people that work in the community, and it was really incredible. And I really learned how important it is to um, to work alongside and learn from those that live and work in these countries every day in order to provide uh, optimal support. In global health, understanding the context and belief systems that are in place in communities that we work with is essential to really making a sustainable and impactful difference. So in addition to the work I was doing, I also can say that I have made lasting friendships and connections with people all around the world that are experts in their various specialties. What drew you to working specifically in monitoring and evaluation, and what kind of technical skills do you utilize the most in your M&E work? Yeah, so I was really drawn to monitoring and evaluation because I saw it as a gap in public health. 
both in domestic and global health programs are implemented that are meant to really make an impact in better people's lives. Uh, but how do we know if those programs are actually working and how can we ensure that we continuously improve upon those programs to adapt as community and population needs change? For me, the concept of finding those gaps and identifying potential solutions to pilot within programs was really exciting. I've learned through my experiences though that that's, that really is not the whole picture of monitoring and evaluation. So much more falls within, within the field, but I would say that that's what truly excited me about monitoring and evaluation and drew me to pursuing my career in this. In terms of technical skills, I use Excel pretty much every day. Um, I came into this fellowship with a very basic understanding of Excel, and now I pretty much use it every, every single day to solve the majority of my problems. Um, we also use Power BI regularly as a tool to organize, analyze, and visualize data to effectively communicate information to both, both internal and external stakeholders. Prior to the fellowship, you worked for Save the Children and then the Pan American Health Organization Health Emergencies Department in Washington, D.C. How did those work experiences prepare you for the work you do now with CDC, and what influenced you to apply for the fellowship? Yeah, these experiences really helped to shape my current career path and goals, as well as prepared me for this fellowship and working at an agency like CDC. Through both the internships, I gained a lot of technical skill sets, but I also strengthened a lot of my soft skills that may not be as highly emphasized by many employers. These soft skills like effective interpersonal communication, teamwork, and adaptability have really prepared me to be successful in such a multifaceted work environment as the CDC. So for example, working at the Health Emergencies Department at PAHO, it was really essential to be able to switch gears at the drop of a hat and work in a fast-paced environment because you never knew when an emergency or disaster was going to strike. So this ability to adapt and work in complex envi work environments um, really allowed me to keep pace while working in the emergency operations on COVID-19 response. So in general, I think it's easier to learn technical skills quickly or on an as-needed basis. However, soft skills tend to develop over time. So I think a lot of the success and opportunities that I've, ha I've been able to experience has been more of a direct reflection of those soft skills than my technical skills. And those those experiences and those internships, as well as my, my degree, really led me to pursuing this fellowship because the work that the CDC does really, do, really makes an impact. And there's so much to learn, both in terms of global health, global health programming, as well as monitoring and evaluation. So in terms of really strengthening both those soft and technical skills, um, that's what really drove me, drove me to this fellowship. So that's interesting that you had experience in emergencies before the fellowship and now working on COVID. Uh, what kind of emergencies did you respond to when you were working for the Pan American Health Organization? Yeah, so um, I was I was actually kind of spearheading the development of a database for their plan of action for disaster risk reduction. So I was developing the kind of the monitoring plan for the um, for the region. And a lot of that was is more so related to um, kind of environmental disasters. So while it's applicable, obviously, to biological disasters, while I was there, it was more so around the hurricanes and tropical storms that were occurring in the Caribbean and the um, and South and Central America. There, was, there wasn't a specific emergency that happened, but it was always that 
we needed to prepare for this. Oh, but there's a, you know, there's a threat that there's going to be a tropical storm in this country. So we need to make sure that they have the capacities for that. And then I also did my master's thesis. I did a program evaluation on the plan of action for disaster risk reduction at PAHO. So I got to interview health disaster, health disaster coordinators in the region. So each country has a health disaster coordinator. And so really understanding their capacities to respond to environmental disasters was the main focus because that's the, I would say the main focus of PAHO is a lot in more structural and infrastructure reinforcement. Um, so that's what, that's what I worked on while I was there. And what were the main projects you were working on before the pandemic hit? Yeah, so before working on the COVID response, I was part of the monitoring evaluation and data analysis, or still am, um, a part of the monitoring evaluation and data analysis branch in the Division for Global HIV and TB. And our major role in the division is very much to manage and guide countries and other branches analytics using the PEPFAR monitoring and evaluation and reporting indicators. So I was also, so I was also working with the Global TV Division and Cervical Cancer Working Group to develop Power BI dashboards for countries to reference. Um, unfortunately, with COVID-19, a lot of that work really has been halted. I would say my biggest ongoing project was supporting the developments, the development and updates to country Power BI dashboards that our team manages. While Samantha is based in Atlanta, she had the opportunity to travel to Kenya for approximately one month in January earlier this year, working on country operational support. Locally, CDC has a large workforce, employing about 128 local staff and 25 USDH positions. Kenya is located in East Africa and has a population of 49.7 million people. I asked Samantha about what her work was like in Kenya and highlights from her experience. I got to work with and get to know so many of the local CDC employees as well as the CDC HQ employees that that work there full time and live there. Um, I was participating in their COP process, which is the development of their country operational plan for the upcoming year. And I really was immersed in the whole process from analyzing the past year's performance as well as setting targets for the upcoming year. Um, and I would say I really felt after this trip that I had a better handle on the inner workings of, of PEPFAR and how how in, we're using the data each year to really make an impact for the upcoming year. I'd also say my friend George, who I met there, who's a locally employed staff from Kisumu, should really get a shout out because I learned so many fun Excel tricks from him that I have that have made my life so much easier. Um, in addition to the work, I, I got to explore the country a lot, and I had the opportunity to go on safari for a weekend to Masai Mara, Masai Mara which is, was incredible. So overall, an amazing experience, and the real highlight was really getting to know and learn from everyone I met there. Oh, that's so cool. Were you um, based at the CDC office in Nairobi or um, the another office in Kenya? So yeah, we were in, I was in Nairobi the whole month um, because we were working at an interagency level with USAID and DOD. We, um, we weren't at kind of the country offices for each agency. We were actually in one of the hotels each week and we met in these large meeting rooms where everyone, everyone could fit from all agencies. And so it led for, it led itself to some really interesting discussions. Um, from because there were local 
local district um, level leaders that were able to come and contribute to the discussion. So that was that was really interesting. We did the last week get to spend time at the embassy, uh, the United States Embassy, which was a really awesome experience as well. Next, Samantha discusses her various assignments and tasks while working with CDC's Emergency Operations Center on the International Task Force responding to COVID-19, which she assisted from mid-March to early June. COVID-19 continues to be at the forefront of the news around the world. According to Johns Hopkins Center for Systems Science and Engineering, to date at the time of this recording on June 25th, over 9.5 million cases have been confirmed. It's really been kind of a journey through the EOC and specifically the International Task Force. So I've been on the International Task Force um, the whole time, so since mid-March. Um, and I started out as an inbox manager, um, and that was more of an administrative position where my main task was really to triage emails. However, it really gave me a high-level understanding of the role of the International Task Force and all the work that the teams are leading. And when that detail was almost done, I communicated my interests in program management and monitoring and evaluation to the leadership to see what potential positions were opening up in the next week or so, to see if I could extend. Um, and based on that, I was moved to the position of the special assistant for the deputy of programs. And my main responsibility in this role was really to keep the deputy organized and make sure that he was aware of anything he was responsible for and to keep track of a lot of the goings on regarding the ITF budget development. I really learned a lot about the inner workings of the CDC budgeting process, which has been, which has become such an important component to understand as the response is continuing to evolve. So from there, I truly found my home on the response as the monitoring and evaluation strategy design coordinator on the ITF. Um, I'm in my second assignment in this role, and I'm currently working on a team of two to develop the ME strategy from the ground up. Um, and as an ME fellow, I really, I really could not think of a better place for my journey on the response to come to an end. Um, we've really been focusing on the development of technical area-specific logic models and, um, and indicators to identify the teams to identify what the teams are doing and how they're really contributing to the overall CDC COVID-19 response. Um, we're also developing a United States government set of indicators in collaboration with USAID to really be able to tell the story of the overall contributions and impacts of the United States government response to COVID-19 internationally. This position really gave me the opportunity to apply my two interests in global health security and ME, and I've learned so much and grown so much as a public health professional through this response journey. Great. Yeah, it sounds like, uh, I mean, you addressed a little bit about what the role of uh, ME plays in the COVID-19 response. Uh, but if there's anything more about that, particular in terms of what kind of data are you working with, can you speak to that? So we're not really using data as much yet as much as in terms of monitoring and evaluation, as much as we are um, developing the strategy to be able to collect that data and analyze it. So we're really developing the, the indicators and the framework around what ME is going to look like as COVID-19 becomes par more a part of the regular programming at the CDC. So really developing what are the indicators going to be, how are we going to collect that data, how are we going to report on that data, what's the information we really are hoping to gain from this, from this response, and how can we integrate those lessons learned into future responses. So it's really trying to organize, 
organize what that system looks like and what that's going to be. Whereas in other senses, we might be using data that we already have. But as this is really an unprecedented event, teams, teams such as Epi team, mitigation team, lab team, they're really collecting data regularly. So now it's figuring out how we can really utilize that data and information to um, report on the work that the ITF is doing. Okay, so it sounds like it's more big picture type of work that you're focused on. Yeah, exactly. It's it's we have to have the high level, the high level understanding and big picture as we're developing this process. But there's also more detail in terms of working with these technical teams on the ITF to really understand the work that they're doing in order to to really be able to evaluate it. So we need to understand what they're doing in order to develop develop a framework around how we're going to measure that work and how we're going to show that it's making an impact. Okay, so how does your COVID-19 detail experience compare to the other work you have done in the fellowship and how have your work assignments been affected by COVID-19? I know you mentioned some things are on hold. So similar to my previous answer, the major difference between the M&E work that I'm doing on the response and the work that I'm doing in the regular fellowship position um, in my home position is that in the HIV and TB world, so is called PEPFAR, is the overarching USG program. And the M&E for that is very much established with established indicators and processes. And the, that data is being routinely collected um, by countries. So it's understood what those reporting mechanisms are, how that they're meant to be analyzed, what the information is meant to be used for. Um, and these these method, these mechanisms are really well established and understood by both at headquarters and in country. So the real, real big difference is that on the response, we're really starting at ground zero with this M&E process development. So we're start, we're trying to develop those indicators, develop what those analyses are going to look like, develop the kind of information that we want to gain. As I said before, so that's really the the big. The big difference in the work that I've been exposed to in the two different positions. And yeah, while I've been on detail, my team has been a huge support in that they've taken on responding to country and other branch requests and needs regarding any support that that comes in. Yeah, I mean, what do you think are a few of the biggest lessons you've taken away so far in public health outbreak or emergency response as well as ME while working with CDC? That's a great question. I think the biggest lesson that I learned is how necessary it is to consider all the components of an outbreak to effectively manage the response. Sometimes in public health, um, it's easy to work in silos, as we say. And I think in emergency response, um, particularly outbreak response, um, it really highlights how necessary it is to break down those barriers or those silos to really work across teams, technical areas, task force, task forces, agencies, et cetera, to really, to really respond and save lives. I think that this is something I will continuously try to integrate into the way that I work as I move forward in my career. And I think that transparency and open communication really fosters a really effective and impactful work environment and sustainable and impactful work as a result. And I think a lot of that I'm really learning through example of the people that I'm working with on the response. 
Yeah, looking ahead, what are a few of your career goals for the future working in global health? Do you see yourself working more in emergency response? Or if not, what kind of longer term public health projects excite you the most for the future? My interest in global health really started and are founded in global health security and disaster risk reduction from when I worked at PAHO. So I really do see my future in global health moving back in that direction towards protection of health internationally during times of emergencies and disasters. Um, I really would like to work with countries to build their capacity to prepare for, respond to, and recover from emergencies and disasters. I'm really interested in understanding what measures countries should employ that have been shown to be most effective at mitigating the impact on the population. So utilizing those monitoring and evaluation um, skills and analytical thinking to, to really identify what those measures are. And I'm really excited about the projects coming down the line that involve the work that we've been spearheading in terms of evaluating efforts that the CDC ITF has been conducting and being able to highlight all the amazing work that's going on throughout the, throughout the EOC. If listeners are curious to follow in your footsteps at some point, maybe they're in school for public health or thinking about changing careers and interested in the fellowship or CDC, do you have any advice to those listeners in terms of what has helped you enter this field and succeed? Yeah. A mentor of mine once told me that every opportunity really is just that. It's an opportunity to learn, to grow, and to make new connections. And they really ingrained in me that I'm not above any opportunity or task that comes my way. And each opportunity is something, has something for me to gain and something for me to give. So I think that's really important to keep in mind because you just never know who you're going to meet from an opportunity that may support you in the future towards your goals or how it may change your goals overall. Um, Even if something is not perfectly in line with where you may think you want to go or what you think you want to focus on, I would still encourage everyone to really take advantage of or still consider those opportunities because, again, you just really don't know where it can take you. Um, One example really is through my journey through the EOC response on the ITF um, because I really took, I took the position as an inbox manager as really a way to get involved and I went in with no expectations other than providing what I could to support the international response. To the pandemic. Um, and this really led to so many new connections within the agency, stronger skill sets, and confidence in my own abilities that I may never have gained if I hadn't taken that initial position. Yeah, that's great advice. I mean, so often in life and, and definitely in career moves, we never know where where one opportunity will lead. So yeah, that's great exactly. to remember. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Do you have any favorite public health trainings or resources you recommend? Yeah, my first response really would be, as Robin said in her, in the last episode, um, the Johns Hopkins Global Health Now newsletter that comes daily really is an awesome resource and gives you really up-to-date information on what's going on in the world in terms of global health. But additionally, Johns Hopkins also puts on a monthly podcast called Public Health on the Inside. And I think that's another great resource to explore current issues and events in the field of public health. And maybe you can listen to it on your way to work or whatever that may be. So before closing, um, I was just thinking back at the the questions we have for you. And one thing that I was thinking about was your background, you know, in psychology, organizational psychology. Do you feel like you use that at all with your work at CDC? I think that a big part of that is really understanding um, and identifying different ways to communicate with different types of people. So different 
different people in all work environments really have different communication styles, leadership styles, etc. And so really, I think being able to identify kind of how someone communicates best and adapting my own communication styles, I do think that I use that a lot in being able to be a more effective communicator because you know, when I see someone that, or am communicating with someone that really I'm seeing is maybe a more visual learner, or maybe needs to understand it a bit more, I will maybe have a diagram that supplements what I'm doing, you know, just kind of learning as I go about the people that I'm working with, I think really helps me to become a more effective communicator, which in turn, in turn, helps my work to be more effective. Does that make sense? Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I think that's a really good point. I mean, communication is so important yeah. for every type of job. Especially in in such fast-paced and such fast-paced environments, I think, and in such multifaceted environments. I think one thing that I've been able to experience and really learn from in that sense is being able to be in this m and position that really spans across technical teams on the international task force, I really understand the different communication styles that different types of technical areas tend to have. So, you know, some people are definitely more science-based. And so the way that they communicate, it may be more technical in certain ways, or you might need to frame certain responses or questions in certain ways in order for different people to perceive it the way that you mean it. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's really interesting to think about. Thank you for having me. It was really fun. Thank you to our guests, Samantha Gross, and all of you for tuning in to our fourth episode of the PHI CDC Global Health Podcast. The podcast is a project of the PHI CDC Global Health Fellowship Program, which is implemented by the Public Health Institute and its partner consortium of universities for global health for the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Please join us next time as we share more fellowship stories. To learn more about our program and see how we are making meaningful contributions to today's global health challenges, visit our website at phi-cdcfellows.org. For questions, please email us at info at phi-cdcfellows.org. This podcast is produced by Whitney Hall. Thank you to Mike Sage, Christine Carabayo, Justine Dulé, Natasha Alcost, Rora Michael, Christine Jolly, CDC Center for Global Health, PHI, and CUGH.